Welcome to the Explorer Poet Podcast, an exploration of the blurry line separating our physical world from our abstract realities. You talk about something called a soul's high adventure. Man is born with a certain functioning. A kind of house of meaning that we dwell in. A clandestine land found underneath your floorboards. These represent a common human inheritance. A common vocabulary of rituals and symbols. Let's let you know where you are. Such and such a hero has done so and so, and that is your what am I going to do, quit? That's not an option. you got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it. You make it work for you. You never give up. Follow your bliss. I mean, find where it is and don't be afraid to, to follow it. Conversations and stories, myths and reality, science and the gods we worship, the esoteric and the everyday. Come explore with me. Welcome to the Explorer Poet Podcast. Today, I have no guest. I'm doing something a little bit different. For the past 22 weeks in a row, I've sat down with a guest. I've had a conversation, and we've talked about all sorts of really interesting things, ranging from art and where it comes from and what it means and what you do with it um, to psychology and growth and <laughs> the development of the self. And we've covered topics in personal growth and personal history as well as world history and it's been fascinating and it's been a lot of fun and for me to be honest it's been surprising how how willing people have been to meet with me and just talk because i really haven't <laughs> i really haven't uh I, there's no reason that they should sit down and talk with me because i'm really nobody uh to be concerned with uh, in a way but what i found is that there are a lot of people who are just open and they're genuine and it's fun to sit down with them and chat with them and so yeah i'm really grateful for the people who have been willing to have conversations with me and going forward i really look forward to having many more conversations with a lot of new people and um, hopefully even guests that i've had in the past but today i want to try something different this week I've, I've, you know, this podcast for me is an experiment and it's, it's something to give me insight into way, into the way that others think. And it's something to help me connect with people who are perhaps like-minded or just have a similar nature or a similar way of constantly wondering about everything. It also serves as a, as a really good way for me to re-energized after doing other creative projects, particularly writing, um, which I pour a lot of time into every day. But um, this podcast really is a project for me that I'm trying to figure out, and uh, not only just for myself, but for the podcast itself. How do I turn it into a creative product that's interesting, and um, both for people who are listening, but also for myself? So here I am talking into the microphone kind of sharing my thoughts out loud about my experience and my kind of thinking going forward. And as you know, uh, one of the things that I absolutely love is conversation, but another thing I absolutely love, and it comes up in every conversation that I have, is stories and the importance of stories, especially for us as human beings, because we really do use 
stories to understand the world, to understand ourselves, to understand our place, to understand our behavior and the behavior of others. So one of the things that I like to do um, just on my own is, is read stories, think about stories, connect different stories, look at them from different angles, and see how, how different stories from different places could somehow have something in common or have an overlapping theme or even have a similar motif. And um, one, of the, one of my favorite places to go looking for good analysis of stories and how they and how stories relate to us is um, one of my favorite authors, Joseph Campbell. And um, what, one of the reasons that I love Joseph Campbell is because he spent so much time with stories, became so familiar with them, that he was able to make connections from all sorts of different places to show, to show that as a whole, the story really is just one big collective story across all of humanity and that we're all headed in a, in, you know, the stories are impacting each other in such a way that the whole world at some point will have a final <laughs> conclusion to their story that will be shared. So one of the things that I'd like to do with the podcast is to share some stories and just quick thoughts about stories that I like. And I've done I've done some practice episodes in the past where I really laid out long stories um, and, and analyzed them, brought up the symbology. But I think this will be shorter. This will be more, hey, here's a story that I like. Here's some interesting thoughts about it or different viewpoints that perhaps you haven't had in the past. And for me, it's a way to think creatively about these things, to make connections. And for me, these types of stories and thinking about them in this way it really does help me just charge my creative juices. And it helps me in my writing. It helps me feel sane. It helps me to understand the world that I live in. For me, in the world that I've always known, the Western world, one of the core stories, one of the most important stories to this world, this West that I know, is the story of the Garden of Eden. Now, I think a lot of people have heard this story. They, they've heard it either from a literal perspective, being at church, growing up, reading the Bible, hearing it from parents or Sunday school teachers. But I actually find that the story becomes much, much more valuable when not viewed through a literal perspective, but viewed through the perspective of metaphor, viewed through the perspective of a story that's here to help us. And with the Garden of Eden, it's interesting because I don't think of it as a story of the first people who ever existed. I think of it as a story of what it is to exist in the Western world. Now, something that's fascinating to me is that in the Garden of Eden, in the Old Testament, in the Torah, there are actually two trees. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is interesting because it's a Western story. It's a story that comes from the Judaic tradition and then is adopted by the Christian religion as well as the Muslim religion. Why it's interesting to me that both trees exist in the garden is that in the garden, the Western world kind of only has access to one of those trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that, that other tree, the tree of life, is, is held back from them. It's restricted. See, the tree of life represents something that only gods have. It represents 
something that people have always wanted but never actually been able to attain, and that is eternal life. A tree where if you partake of the fruit, you'll live forever, you'll become immortal. This is why a cherubim with flaming sword was placed at the entrance of the garden so that Adam and Eve could not return to partake of the tree of life. So what does it mean that the tree of life represents the characteristic of the East? Or what does it mean to say that the, 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 the people in the East, they partook of the tree of life, while the people in the West partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Well, in the East, eternal life appeared in story as reincarnation, as the rebirth of a soul into a new body. So with each new death comes a new life. You have a chance to be better, but you also have a ceaseless cycle of suffering. Symbolically, reincarnation is the dying of an old version of ourself and the rebirth into a new version. In practical terms, reincarnation is a process that occurs as we mature and we shed our old ideas, our paradigms, personas, dogmas, values, and even societal expectations. In psychological terms, reincarnation is the process of abandoning old personas to adopt new ones, while, while completely missing the true self beneath. Or in practical terms, reincarnation is releasing one toxic vice, bad relationship, or poor habit only to attach to another. Distraught with this cycle of eternal suffering, Gautama Buddha meditated beneath a Bodhi tree in a garden for 49 days, and by so doing, he achieved enlightenment, nirvana. His soul partook of the tree of life, and he broke free from the cycle of reincarnation, finding the middle way. Now, the Buddha discovered that the cycle of reincarnation is actually just the consequence of pursuing pleasure and attempting to avoid pain. By finally relinquishing all physical and emotional desires, he never again succumbed to psychological death nor rebirth. So in this way, the Buddha was actually able to, to transcend the cycle of reincarnation. So he no longer participated in the ongoing cycle of life, but became eternal, meaning that he never, was, he never died to his old self and never needed to be reborn again. So with no urgency to do what is right, remember the Buddha never partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So with no urgency to do what is right, the Buddha observed himself long enough to realize that there was nothing of himself to observe. He saw that emotions come from the body, thoughts come from the mind, sensations arise as apparitions of the exterior world. In the East, true eternal life was achieved in the realization that there is no life, no individual, no identity, no soul, and thus no gods with which to comply. Eternal life is to accept each moment as it arises, without judgment, without influence, without a desire to control. It's to turn off the half of our brain that decides what is good and what is bad. Which brings us back to the Garden of Eden and the fruit most tasteful to the West, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve partook of this fruit and came to know right from wrong, righteousness from evil. Through this choice, the West became morally binary and rather than accept no gods, it demanded that we all worship one God. His name was Yahweh. He was all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-full of himself. Connected to this reality are all sorts of other realities that really do fascinate me. For example, if you have one God, this leads to the idea of an individual. You get liberalism, you get postmodernism, and one topic that I would really like to cover is this idea that if you have one God that represents everything, that can only do good and cannot do harm, 
then you get a pandemic of narcissism, which is what I believe this country is experiencing. Uh, okay, but I don't want to get sidetracked. Because Adam and Eve ate the fruit, the world fell under a Nietzschean regime of thou shalts, which means morals, commandments. And if you don't comply with those morals and commandments, it also means punishments. The tree of life became nothing more than a reward, dangled like a carrot, and promised in exchange for perfect compliance with God's will. So if you live in the Western world, the tree of life became cut off. And the only path to receiving that eternal life is by complying with the God with which your religion, your ideology, your, your dogma, whatever your internal soul, whatever that deity attaches to, whatever that deity, who, whoever that deity is that, that you attach to, that's where you find your eternal life. In the West, we all sin, missing the mark, falling short of the glory of God. And because the fruit was eaten in the garden, another tree was erected atop Golgotha's hill where God himself died to end the cycle of death. One last death for all mankind. Sound familiar? In the East, the objective is to let go of the self, of identity, and of ego. But in the West, we're encouraged to hold tightly to our own individualism, our identities, and our God. But where do we find ourselves in this? One of my favorite authors, Swiss psychologist Carl Jung, proposed the idea of archetypes or universal primal symbols or images that exist within every person. These archetypes map to stories often called mythology. And as we experience our lives, our psyches subconsciously map our behaviors in the context of our world to the archetypes embedded within us. Our personas are then manifestations of archetypes to which we've attached. And at each new birth, either physical or psychological, the potential exists for any one of the countless archetypes to arise. In the East, the archetypes were identified as useful but not sacred, psychological rather than literal, powerful deities but not an end unto themselves, a part of all of us but not the totality of any one of us. In the West, the archetypes were consolidated into a single deity known as Yahweh, omnipotent, omnipresent, jealous, and vengeful, simultaneously god of war and fertility, love and hate, faith, and fear. Jung saw the God image as a fundamental aspect of the human psyche and closely connected to the development of the self. In this regard, he describes the individuation process as the progressive incarnation of the divine. In other words, we become what we worship. The East, free of moral deities and good and evil, offers individuals the chance to end the cycle of pleasure-seeking and pain avoidance, a peaceful, life-eternal here and now. In the West, we rely on a single deity, one God to which we commit ourselves, and thus wait to taste the fruit of the tree of life until our own lives have passed, never fully enjoying the sensation of eternity while we may. It's fascinating to me that the authors of the Torah included the tree of life in the garden. It's as if they knew that people have a choice between picking a God whom they can devote their lives to and slave away to please or to sacrifice to, or people can simply relinquish that concern, give up on the idea of doing right and caring what other people think and just existing in a moment and enjoying your life. It's as if Adam and Eve knew the choice that they were making for the West. But why together they would make that choice is the topic of another discussion.
Thanks for listening to the Explorer Poet Podcast. I hope you find this and every other episode both interesting and engaging. I know I enjoy making them. My goal is to record high-quality conversations, both in terms of content and production value. But there's still a lot I need to learn. So if you have comments or suggestions about the audio recordings or the conversations themselves, please let me know. You can contact me via email at explorerpoet at gmail.com. For more about the Explorer Poet podcast, please visit explorerpoet.com or follow on Instagram at explorerpoet or on Twitter at explorerpoetpod. Please follow and rate the podcast on your favorite app. And if you really want to be supportive, please share it with a friend. Thanks. Okay, so there are some short, quick thoughts on the story of the Garden of Eden and the two trees that exist there. I really do believe that this story is fundamental to the way the West thinks and the way the West operates, and I would love to actually dive into it again later. So if you enjoy stories like this, if you enjoy my analysis of them, even if they're short, even if they're just quick, then I do plan on doing more of these, and I will mix them in with the conversations that I have. Hopefully it can be something that's helpful for people. Hopefully you enjoy it. I think I'll just keep doing it because I enjoy it. I really appreciate anybody who happens to listen. If you want to send me a message, feel free to on my website or social media. If you have recommendations for the podcast, if you have recommendations for guests, if you have recommendations for topics, or if there's just something you want to discuss, shoot me a message. I'm, I'm more than open to it. I really appreciate all of you out there and... I will talk to you next week.